1420 WBSM presents Ray Lance of the USA Wealth Group. It's time to get your finances in order. MoneyWise starts now. Good Sunday morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to MoneyWise. Today we want to ask you a very important question. Are you a millionaire? Would you like to be a millionaire? Would you like to know how to become a millionaire? That's what we're going to talk about today. It's obviously not the most important thing in the world, but we're going to talk about this interesting subject today about how to become a millionaire. So stay tuned. We've got a lot of useful information to give you. Welcome to Attorney Michael Coleman. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Mike, thank you for being here. It's always a pleasure. We're going to talk about how many millionaires you've known in your law practice. No, right. we won't do that, but okay. um, but it's a lot of people these yeah, days, isn't surprisingly, it? Surprisingly, a lot of people come in and they they usually fill out a client intake form that we ask them to fill out mm-hmm. that lists bank accounts and life insurance policies and investment accounts and real estate. And a lot of times they're surprised, actually, about how much money they have. You know what I've noticed over the years? How many people will fill out the intake information and they don't put a total on it. Right. And it's almost like they're afraid to know what the total is. And then you total it up in front of them, and it's over a million dollars. And they say, I didn't know that. Yeah. So it's amazing. Well, welcome to Peter Lance. Good morning, Pete. Good morning, and good morning, everyone. You're talking normally now, but you started the show in very deep timber, <laughs> quite the radio show voice. No, actually, I'm always in deep timber. <laughs> That's not always I'm in deep something sometimes. But no, welcome, Pete. We're always uh, happy to have you on the show. And yes, I am in deep timber this morning. I don't know why. <laughs> Do you ever go home and tell your wife that? Be careful of me, honey. I'm in deep timber today. <laughs> not sure what you're no. implying, but no. <laughs> No, I'm not implying anything, just being silly. Well, welcome, gentlemen, uh, Pete and Mike, um, and obviously I'm Ray Lance, and we're happy to be with you. USA Wealth Group is the company that sponsors MoneyWise, but we also have frequent visits from Mike and also Attorney Tenny Lance, and we talk a lot about legal issues as well as financial issues. But today we thought it would be kind of fun actually to talk about millionaires, and so we're going to call this the Millionaire Show. We've done a lot of research on this subject. So, for example, if you had to guess, or maybe you already know, how many millionaires are there in the United States, Pete? Do you have any idea? Well, I have that information right in front of me. Uh, the U.S. actually added 700,000 new millionaires just in 2017 alone. And now that brings it up to around 11 million millionaires. Well, that's quite a lot. But the interesting thing that I found out about that is that in since 2009, which is only nine years ago roughly, the number of millionaires in this country has doubled. So we've seen a lot of increase in wealth in this country. But how do you think Massachusetts stacks up? You know, we did some research also on state-by-state state calculating millionaires. So if you had to sort of guess without looking at your papers – What state would you normally think would have the most millionaires? I would have guessed New York. I would typically have guessed New York also, but it's actually – California. California is number one in terms of the total number of millionaires, but that's not the measure. just because of Hollywood and Silicon Valley and everything else. And Mm. then Texas is number two, and then New York is number three, and Florida is number four. So think of all the retirees who go to Florida with lots of money and lots of net worth. When you look at this whole list of the top 10 states, Massachusetts is not on it. 
But if you look at it a little bit differently, what's the number of millionaires per population or per capita? We're way up there. And this is a really surprising list. So Massachusetts is number six in the country uh, if you measure the number of millionaires according to the percentage of population. So approximately almost 7.5% of our population in the state of Massachusetts is worth at least a million dollars. And just below that is number seven, New Hampshire, which is where I'd like to retire to. And that's 7.36% of all households are millionaires. So it's really funny when you think of the big states. And so we know that because of the huge populations of California and Texas and New York, that obviously makes sense that they have the number, largest number of overall millionaires, but mm-hmm. not percentage of population-wise. Uh, they're hardly even on the list. California's number 10, for example. Now, this list of uh, millionaires by state and millionaires per capita um, includes people's primary residence as their assets, where uh, technically what defines a millionaire is investable assets, not including your primary residence. Well, I tell people all the time that it's really a better test is really what's the total value of all of your assets, including your house and your life insurance. Without the debt on your house. Oh, sure. Subtract. It's the equity in your house. But let me tell you why that's important. And I want to go to you for a minute, Mike. Um, number one, um, we have an estate tax in Massachusetts, don't we? Yes, we do. Yep. We have an exemption. There's a $1 million exemption amount, and that includes real estate. It also includes life insurance policies, which mm-hmm. a lot of people don't know. If you own a policy, even though the payout is to a third party, that policy would be considered part of your estate. Right. So let's talk for just a second about how do we value what your assets total, what your assets are in order to total what you're really worth. And we're more concerned about the Massachusetts estate tax, aren't we? Right, yes. Because if if you're worth more than a million dollars, including the value of the equity in your house, your IRA, retirement accounts, your life insurance, as well as your investments, mm-hmm. you have a taxable estate in Massachusetts. Correct. Yep. You don't have to worry about the federal tax right. anymore. That went up to $10 million recently. So Actually, it's about $11.2 million. Yeah, 10 plus inflation. Yep. Yeah. So it's, it's really quite high. Now, if you want to know a little bit more about this, uh, coming up on next Saturday, October 13th at 10 o'clock in the morning, there's going to be a special Brunch and Learn program. It's going to be held at the offices of USA Wealth Group and Lance Law, 10 a.m., And we're going to be talking about some of the key 2018 tax changes and how it might impact your finances. But on the law firm side, you and Tenny are also going to be talking about what? We'll be talking about Medicaid and uh, how to protect assets from the nursing home. So we have a presentation just sort of explaining what Medicaid is, uh, you know, how much nursing homes cost, the process of getting on to Medicaid, and how to protect an asset from Uh, being taken in the event that someone does have to stay in a nursing home for a long period of time. And that's really the key thing, isn't it? You want to protect what you've got and not necessarily lose it to a nursing home. This is the third uh, Brunch and Learn that we've had at the office, and we've always had it on a Saturday morning. Uh, The first one was fully booked up in a matter of about a week, and we had a couple of walk-ins as well. So we actually had three chairs or so in the hallway. Um, And then the second one... 
it was about a month ago, and again, it was fully booked up. Uh, luckily, uh, it didn't overflow, uh, overfill and, and spill into the hallway. Um, so I do encourage you to make a reservation and uh, save a seat for yourself. Yeah, or if not, you can come and you can sit in somebody's lap. <laughs> right? Sure. <laughs> We're a very friendly place. No, but you should make a reservation, and you can call 508-998-8800. Make a reservation for the Brunch and Learn for next Saturday, October 13th. Well, it's about an hour and a half. That's not this coming Saturday, but the following Saturday, October 13th, 10 to 1130. Okay, I'm lost on my dates here then. Okay. It's this. So well, it's Saturday, October 13th. Okay. Bottom line. And we will have nice um, quiche, I believe. It is next some, Saturday. Some fruit. Right. Let's just say it's <laughs> Saturday, October Yes, you're 13th. right. I apologize. Yes. It's this, this Saturday, this upcoming Saturday. My apologies. Yes. Peter, you're messing me up. I'm sorry. <laughs> Usually I, I'm the one that catches it and, and corrects you, but I was next wrong in this place. Saturday, the Saturday following this show. Yes. Which is Saturday, October 13th. That's the date of the <laughs> You're giving me morning. a funny look and I'm thinking, why are you so confused? Meanwhile, I'm the one that messed up. My apologies. All right. So we got that straight. Well, we'll straighten it out again during the show. Let's talk about millionaires. So we know that there's a lot of millionaires in this country. And um, actually, the United States has a higher total population of millionaires than any other country in the world. That makes a little sense, doesn't it? Absolutely. I mean, the way uh, people earn money in this country and invest and with the markets the way they are, it absolutely makes sense. Well, we would like to have you hang out with us and learn some things from us, whether it's at a seminar or coming in to meet with Mike or Tenny or meeting with Peter or myself, and we'll show you how to do some more creative things with your finances than you might be aware of, how to make more money safely, securely. I wonder which country has the most millionaires per capita. I think I had heard a couple of years ago that it's Sweden, Hmm. but I'm not sure about that. I'll have to Google that. I don't really know. Yeah. (laughs) But I might visit there someday because that's part of my heritage. I know Taxameka, which is thank you. That's all I know. One of the interesting things that you said before was that since 2009 – there have been a lot more millionaires. It's almost doubled. And, yeah, and I know that country. that's probably because the market crashed in 2008. Yep. And then the market's been crazy since then. Right. So, and I know you normally say every eight years or so there's a correction. So yes, there is. It's kind of scary. We're overdue right now. Yep. So it's an important time actually to preserve and protect what you have and figure out how to get more conservative and more safe. And we're gonna, we like to talk about that a lot in the office. Uh, Jeff Bezos once said, life's too short to hang out with people who aren't resourceful. So we like to think that we're very resourceful in our office, and we can show you how to do things a little mm-hmm. bit differently and a little bit better. I knew it was an S country. Uh, it's actually Singapore, and then followed by Switzerland, number two. And that's the, con- that's the country I was thinking of as Switzerland. But this is a 2011 study, so um, I think that it is Switzerland now, per capita. Well, I was going to suggest Switzerland as well. But that's where a lot of people park their money as well. exactly. Where they go there for tax reasons. Well, let's come back and talk about what counts in your net worth. So technically, when you read some of the articles, they say you're not really a millionaire unless you take the total value of all of your assets, excluding your house, and that has to be a million dollars. We take a little different approach in our office, and we say it should include the value of your house because – that's what's going to count for purposes of the Massachusetts estate tax. Yeah, and the equity in your home is absolutely an asset. 
So let me ask a question to Mike. Mike, if you've got a married couple and they're worth more than a million dollars, but say less than $2 million, they should do trust planning, right? Yeah, we can do a trust for you, and a big part of the trust planning is being able to limit or eliminate estate tax liability. So if we have a couple and one of them passes away, we can do trust administration to get an estate tax return filed um, to put assets into a B trust, and that can be part of a house. It can be a bank account. So that's the important thing to remember is that when one person passes away, we need to do work for mm-hmm. that. And so, Go ahead. I was going to say, surprisingly, uh, I'm studying for a Series 65 securities exam, and you would not believe the amount of detail that I have to learn about trusts and, you know, different types of you know, complex trusts and simple trusts and mm-hmm. irrevocable and revoc- revocable. And it's a lot of legal information that I have to learn and, and study, which I, a lot of it I knew already just being around the law firm for so many years. But uh, they keep talking over and over again about how valuable a trust is so it avoids probate and passes mm-hmm. directly to heirs instead of taking a very costly and time-consuming process of going through probate and public so probably one of, the, one of the most important reasons to do trust planning, and typically the recommendation has always been that if you're worth more than $250,000 of the value of everything you own, you ought to be looking at doing a trust and not just simple wills. But avoiding probate is a key reason for doing trust. But the second most important reason is if you are worth more than a million dollars, there will be Massachusetts estate tax to pay if you use simple wills. Everything goes from one spouse to the other, let's say. And then the surviving spouse's estate will get hit with the estate tax. Mm -hmm. Um, On the other hand, if you do a trust in Massachusetts, you can shelter and protect two $1 million exemptions. And therefore, you can have a larger estate without paying Massachusetts estate tax. But get a checkup on this, ladies and gentlemen. You know, go see Mike. Mike, um, what's your phone number? You can call us at 508-998-8800. If you want to learn more about who we are, what we do, go on to the internet at lancelawinc.com. So visit the website, take some action, make an appointment, go to see Mike, or attorney, Tenny Lance, and uh, make sure that your assets are going to be protected. Nobody needs to pay more taxes than what they absolutely have to, unless you're a highly paid politician probably, I suppose. Uh, then they find loopholes, don't they? Right. Some of these celebrities that we hear about recently, they haven't done any, you know, someone who hasn't done any planning or just had a will, and they have very large estates, they're going to be paying a lot of estate taxes, or their heirs are. Well, it makes everybody in the IRS very, very happy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Aretha Franklin and Michael Jackson and who else? Prince. Yeah. Mm. The Massachusetts Department of Revenue likes it when people don't plan. Right. Well, let's talk about – so we've already talked about the fact that don't think that because you've got somebody else's name on account, it's not part of your estate. It is. So we see a lot of people that say, well, my son's name is on the account. So if I die, it goes to him immediately, right? And I say, yep. And then I say, but guess what? It's includable in your estate for estate tax purposes because the rule is very simple under the tax code. Anything that passes by reason of your death to somebody else – even a life estate, um, that asset, the value of that asset will be includable in your estate. Mm-hmm. So do some planning. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about what are some of the steps that you can do, what are some of the steps that you can take uh, to make more money to become a millionaire. 
So I'll give you a couple of examples as we're going through the show today, one of which I want to tell you I have a couple who worked both for a utility company, husband and wife, both retired from the utility company, but they did something that was the smartest thing that anybody can do. You can do it at any age, but the younger you start, the better, and that is start saving on a regular, systematic basis. Don't skimp. Don't change. It's what you always say, Pete, pay yourself first. So put aside from your very first paycheck, from your very first job, put aside $20 a week, $25 a week, every single week. If you have a company that has an automatic savings plan, have it deducted from your pay. You're not going to miss it. You're going to learn to get by and live without it. If you do that regularly, you're going to end up with well over a million dollars by the time that you retire. Of course, we'll give you some investment advice along the way too, won't we? I told my uh, wife a week or two ago that as soon as all of our children turn 18, uh, my daughter has a long way to go, but my oldest only has uh, just under three years to go. Uh, for their birthday gifts, we're going to give them you know, a small lump sum of money, you know, $250, $500 um, as a birthday present and open up a, an IRA for them. Mm-hmm. And then they're going to contribute something towards it every single week, even, yep. even if it's $10. Sure, even $5, $10, even at that young age. And then when they start working, when they become employed in the economy, uh, if they continue that habit, it's money that they should never touch until they're 59 and a half. They better be working at 16. <laughs> well, <laughs> They just can't open up an IRA until 18. Oh, I didn't know that. That's interesting. Yeah. that's. I didn't know that. You taught me something today, Pete. <laughs> I looked into it um, specifically. See, I thought I knew everything. My son has taught me something today. (laughs) That's terrific. Well, we have to always plan. We have to always save. And if you do, and if you start early. So I've got this one couple that worked for a utility company. Um, They started very young from their very first jobs. They put aside a regular amount every single week. When they had money built up in their savings account, they took and converted it into a CD. The rates today are very low, unfortunately. And then later they put it into other kinds of investments. And when they retired, and they were both 65 or younger when they retired, uh, they're worth the two and a half to three million dollars. Well, one of the biggest success stories that I've seen in our office, this is going back a number of years, and obviously I'm not going to go into too much detail, but uh, this person was a firefighter full-time, and firefighters who are full-time typically work two 24-hour shifts. So the rest of the time, um, he learned how to become a plumber and um, got his plumbing license and did plumbing on the side. And he had well over a million dollars in liquid, you know, uh, investable assets when he retired at a very young age and received a full pension from the fire department. Yep. Steady and regular and early. Uh, Steady and regular and early. That's what makes the difference. Nobody gets rich overnight. Very few people do. If they do, they're extremely lucky. Um, Most people get rich and get wealthy and become millionaires because they've been just doing it very consistently. There's some good books out there, The Automatic Millionaire, for example. And um, there's one book that I'd like to recommend in particular. There was one uh, quote that I saw recently from, uh, oh, God, it's like the inventor of – 
Uber or something like that. It was some type of new technology, and he invented it. He said, don't worry about trying to be smarter than others to become rich. You only have to be smart once to become wealthy. So <laughs> those are the rare cases where somebody comes up with an idea to get rich quick. But <laughs> Those are the rare cases. Well, there's a book that I've mentioned before in the radio, and I'd like you to do it again. It's by Tony Robbins. Um, he's a self-help guru, but he wrote a really what I think is a spectacular book, and I think it's the best learning tool for learning about money. It's called Money, Master of the Game, Seven Simple Steps to Financial Freedom. Money, Master of the Game by Tony Robbins. Highly recommended. I bought my copy at BJ's. I've mentioned this before. Um, one of the things he said in his book is people who succeed at the highest level are not lucky. They're doing something differently than everybody else does. Uh, it's what we say about budgets. How few people we see come in the office have done a budget. Do a budget. Save regular. Um, Albert Einstein said, the greatest scientific discovery in the world is compound interest. So when you put money aside, it's going to earn some interest. It's going to compound in value. Um, Mark Zuckerberg, uh, he's the guy that did Facebook, said, the biggest risk is not taking any risk. In a world that's changing really quickly, the only strategy that is guaranteed to fail is not taking risks. Now, we're not necessarily talking about taking risks right now, but we are talking about starting something, taking some action and doing something. So, you always hear stories about millionaires who have you know, made it and are successful, but you never hear about all the failures they've had leading up to that. So maybe they tried so many different business ideas and they failed, but then there was that one idea that was finally successful. Mm. Peter, you're very good at looking up quotations very quickly. Look at up a quotation from Thomas Edison. I didn't just succeed. I failed 10,000 times before I succeeded. Right. So I want me like to look that. it up because you just said it. <laughs> I was, it's, I'm paraphrasing. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you have to be persistent at what you do. You have to be uh, smart. So here's some quick rules we're going to talk about today. Number one, desire wealth and dream big. And obviously money for money's sake is not the most important goal that people ought to have. You know, being a good person is probably a lot more important. But if you want to become wealthy and successful, you have to think big and dream big. Why not have big dreams as well as little dreams? Or as Peter suggested talking about his firefighter friend, why not have a job and be thinking of something else you could do on a part-time basis that interests you? And so you've got to be very persistent about right. what you do. You have to think a little bit bigger. So I think that you were incorporating two quotes of Edison's. Go ahead. Our greatest weakness lies in giving up. The most certain way to succeed is always to try just one more time. And then the other one is, I never did anything by accident, nor did any of my inventions come by accident. They came by work. Hmm. Um, those are good. <laughs> Not quite exactly what I had in mind. He said something about... Oh, here's one. I have not failed. I've just found 10,000 ways that won't work. That's it. Hmm. That's it. But, I mean, he knew that he wanted to create an electric light bulb, and he tried thousands and thousands of times before he figured out the right combination. And think about where we would be today if we didn't have light bulbs. Hmm. We'd be lighting little fires in our living rooms, <laughs> wouldn't we? <laughs> well, in any event, you've got to think big. You've got to have ideas. Um, do something that you enjoy doing, doing something that you love. Um, because if you do something that you like doing, you're going to have enthusiasm. You're going to have passion for what you do. 
Um, I personally enjoy very much helping people and finding ways to be creative about making more money, saving more money. A lot of the times what we do is we'll sit down and talk about uh, things like um, how can we cut your budget? How can we make more cash flow for you? Some of these ideas we're going to talk about actually at this uh, Brunch and Learn program we're doing this next Saturday. Next Saturday <laughs> coming up on Saturday, October 13th at 10 o'clock. Uh, if you'd like to attend, give a call, make a reservation, 508-998-8800. And seriously, we, we cannot accommodate a huge number of people, so you must make a reservation. We're going to talk about the new tax bill and some tax changes. And Tenny and Mike are going to talk about some real basics of estate planning. But more importantly, they're going to be talking also about how to protect your assets if somebody in your family has to go to a nursing home. So some good learning opportunities. It's an hour and a half out of your day. It's not bad. Give a call at 508-998-8800. When we come back in just a moment, we're going to talk about work ethic and making decisions. We're going to be talking about um, some really useful little things you can do to increase the value of your net worth. So stay tuned, and we're going to be right back. Welcome back, all you millionaires. Welcome back to MoneyWise. Oh, if you're not a millionaire yet, you have to keep listening because we're going to tell you what you can do to become a millionaire. And even if you don't become a millionaire, we're going to tell you some things that you can do to significantly increase your net worth and your assets and your finances and get your finances in order. So one of the biggest uh, things that we see and, and hear from people who come in and meet with us uh, at USA Wealth Group, at least, is can I retire now or when can I retire? So, you know, we're talking about how to become a, a millionaire, but uh, a lot of what we're telling you today is just how to at least save and, and invest more leading up to your retirement so you can retire when you want to because it's a, a, a sad thing when we tell someone that they can't retire quite yet. You know, that's really a good point, Pete, because in the end, retirement is about having enough cash flow to take care of your budget. And cash flow goes backwards into assets. So you have to have certain assets in order to create the cash flow you need to support yourself in retirement. And sometimes we look at the numbers and we tell this person who wants to retire at the end of the year and we say, it's really in your best interest to just work for two more years or just you know three more years um, based on the numbers that we're looking at. Um, and that's not necessarily a terrible thing if you have to delay it by a couple of years, but in some situations it's even longer. So um, come in and meet with us, and we'll show you what to do to retire when you want to retire. Well, um, by the way, I'm Ray Lance, and this is Pete Lance who was just talking, and attorney Michael Coleman is always here. So um, Hello. Big, welcome back, John. I am here. <laughs> yes, you are here. We haven't forgotten. So let's talk, Mike, about some steps that you can take to become a millionaire. You know, we talked about having some dreams and do what you love. Um, have a proper work ethic. Most people who are successful don't do it by working just nine to five. You've got to put in more effort and more time in, in the job in order to do that. But you've got to change your mindset a little bit. It's not just well, I have a job and I'm not making much money and I'm never going to make much money. You have to think about what can I do to improve my skills? Can I get a different kind of a degree? Can I take some training courses? How do I make myself more valuable to my employer? If you're working for somebody, 
what are the steps I have to take to elevate myself? Continuing education is really important, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, um, you know, I went to law school so that I could become an attorney and uh, make more money, mm-hmm. which was part of it. I also enjoy being an attorney and doing what I do. But absolutely, go out and learn more about something that could help you make some more money. And Peter, you've taken some securities uh, courses and licenses, and you have Series 6 and 63 securities licenses, and you're working on another study course right now for another one, aren't you? Yes, the 65. So I, I think no matter what we do in life, it's all about improvement, whether it's learning to be a, a better public speaker or joining some organizations that are going to allow you to meet people and get some different ideas of how you could do things um, perhaps in a different way. And you've said that, you know, my entire life. Uh, always learn, always learn, always try something new, always learn something new. Mm-hmm. Whether it's the guitar, the ukulele, the piano, learning Spanish, anything. <laughs> Wait a minute, those didn't work. <laughs> you tried. <laughs> Mom tried the ukulele. I know, it's still in the case. <laughs> <laughs> you tried Portuguese well, or Spanish, I forgot. Well, I had a good excuse for that. No, I, I actually took a Spanish course for um, a year at UMass Dartmouth. That was helpful. My I did favorite. Learn a lot from that. My favorite story, though, is that you wanted to learn how to play the piano, and you were going religiously and practicing and getting, you know, really somewhere with it. And then your piano teacher retired, and we all <laughs> wondered if it was because of you. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> <laughs> I think she fired me. I'm not sure. But, um, well, we just recently. Uh, put the piano back into a proper room and it is my intention to start taking piano lessons again but i know i know a fair amount of the basics already i just i just enjoy the piano so do what you love be known for your work ethic be decisive um stop buying depreciating assets you know we talked just a couple of weeks ago when the three of us were on together that we all have vehicles we're driving right now that are paid for yep and we haven't been tempted to go out and buy brand new cars. I hate the idea of having to buy a new car or get a new car or even a used car. You know, I have a car right now with more than 200,000 miles on it, and I don't, I just don't want to let it go. Well, d- don't worry, Michael. I, <laughs> I carry jumper cables in my trunk okay, every day. So if you get stuck, you let me know. All right. <laughs> That's the only problem with having an older car is, you know, maintenance, and every once in a while something happens. Yeah. All of a sudden my windows aren't working, and my Jeep and my radio only works when it wants to, so I've got to figure that out. And I need a new battery because it's almost six years old, and I had to get jumped one time. Yeah. Well, a battery you don't want to mess around with because winter is coming, and that will be a problem. Mm-hmm. Yep. So we'll uh, we'll look at that certainly right away. But... Start living below your means. What can you do to put more money aside? I see people all the time in the office, and I say, all right, the company you're working for, they have a 401K? Yep. Are you putting money into it? Yes. And does the company have a match? And they'll say, yes. It's a 6% match. And then I say, are you putting in at least 6% to make sure you get the full match from your company? Most often the answer is yes. Once in a while it's no. And if you have a company that has a 401k with a match and you're not putting in enough money to equal the match then you just you're throwing money away you're leaving it on the table you gotta well, do it you gotta do that another tip about how to become a millionaire is frugality it's probably the number one most important thing that wealthy people have in common uh, especially before they actually become rich and um, most millionaires actually live on only about 10 percent of their income 
um, and you're really just not going to become wealthy if one person or both of you uh, like to spend and are wasteful with your spending. And another really important tip is that um, if you don't have parents who are wealthy, uh, see if you can get adopted somewhere else. <laughs> right? Do you like that one, Pete? I've said that a few times. I've said, can, can you adopt me? <laughs> no, that's a joke, obviously. But um, what happens if you inherit money? Well, I want to give you actually something that's a combined uh, tax tip as well as uh, a very important tip to think about when it comes to making money and saving money. And that's what happens if you inherit an IRA. So this is my tax tip for today. Um, so when you inherit an IRA, it means simply this. Let's say you have uh, parents who have IRA accounts. Let's say it's the mother who has a large IRA account. She passes away. It goes to the father. The father dies, and then he names the kids as beneficiaries. Well, don't be ever tempted if you're a child inheriting an IRA or a younger, younger beneficiary of any kind. Don't be tempted to just take the lump sum money and say, wow. I've just inherited a $50,000 IRA. This is terrific. First thing that happens when you take the money out, you're going to put aside mandatory 20% for tax withholding. So what's five times two is 10. There's $10,000 right away that goes out for taxes immediately. Um, And you no longer have the ability to have tax-deferred growth on the remaining money. You're going to stick it in the bank. You're going to spend it. You're going to do something with it. Save it for your own uh, personal retirement. Well, to that point, um, we've actually incorporated something in our office where when we meet with clients, we uh, give them uh, something called a stop letter. So when something um, eventually happens to them and their children or other beneficiaries are going through their records, they're going to see this stop letter. It's literally a bright red stop sign. Um, in the middle of the page, and it says, don't do anything with these inherited assets without speaking to um, Ray and Pete Lance um, because there might be some you know, tax consequences that mm-hmm. you're not prepared for. Right. And the rules for inherited IRA are a little bit complicated, but gosh, if you get a little advice from uh, an accountant who knows uh, this business or from somebody like our office, um, one of the things if you inherit an IRA from somebody who's died is that uh, let's assume that the owner of the traditional IRA has started taking distributions. They were at least 70 and a half when you must begin taking. And you're a non-spouse beneficiary and you want to stretch it out over your own life expectancy. doesn't matter what your age is. You must begin taking minimum distributions. So you don't think that just because you've inherited an IRA account, you can wait until you are 70 and a half. No, you have to start taking minimum distributions. And if you don't, by the way, there's a 50% penalty, so it's really important. The other thing is there's, there's a really critical language about how this inherited IRA has to be set up. And so typically it's, um, you know, Mary Smith, parentheses, deceased July 1, 2018, parentheses, IRA for the benefit of John Smith, the son. You have to have this really big, long name. We can help you set this up. We do this all the time. We do it every single week. So you have to title it correctly. Um, if you have more than one beneficiary, then you have to split up the benefic- the uh, interest that's been inherited into multiple beneficiaries. Um, but there's some really important uh, tax rules 
when you inherited an IRA. We're happy to give you free advice on how to do that. Come in and sit down, and we'll show you how to do it. We'll help you do it if you need help. So that's our big tax tip for the today. Uh, for today, going back to the ten simple steps on how to become a millionaire. Uh, I like this one a lot. I've never heard this before, but I like it. Start viewing your dollars as employees. Instead of viewing your money as something you have to play with, start seeing your dollars as employees. You can keep them and employ them to work for you, growing your wealth, or you can fire them, in other words, spend them, and have less employees to grow your business, the business of becoming a millionaire. I like that idea. Or you can say, you know what? You've done really well. I'm going to give you a raise. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Well, by that wasn't in writing, was it? Well, <laughs> no, but it, giving a raise by investing it into something that's going to earn interest. Exactly. There you go. You got my drift. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, think about how you can live below your means. Don't go out and be tempted to buy the next best thing that's out there. Um, live below your means and make your dollars work for you. And, you know <laughs> – I can't tell you how many times somebody will say, oh, I have X amount of dollars in cash in my closet. And we're like, we don't want to hear that. Don't tell us that. And we don't want to know. And we also don't want you to be doing that. Put it somewhere where it's going to earn money because right now you're losing money against the cost of inflation. I see a lot of people and we say – we do say that right away. We say, don't tell me where the money is. Um, I'm not going to put anything in my notes about this. Um, we don't want to know about it. We don't want somebody to find out that you've got money that's hidden in your house, which is mm. – But you, you know. shouldn't have it in there. <laughs> no. Maybe a little bit for a rainy day or something, but yeah, – 500 bucks or so at yeah. most, but jeez. Well, anyway, um, have a plan. We can help you lay out some very simple goals. We also have a budget form that we always like to use. I like this one, uh, number seven on the list here, refuse to conform. Mm -hmm. In today's society, we see so many people going out and buying $1,000 iPhones and, you know, Mm -hmm. getting expensive cars and doing all this stuff because they see other people doing it and they think they need to, too. So, yeah, refuse to conform. Keep your old phone. Keep your old car. It's okay. You don't Mm -hmm. have to keep up with the Joneses, and you'll be much better than the Joneses if you don't go out and buy that new iPhone because you see somebody on Facebook that has just bought the new iPhone and you have to have it. No, you don't. You can hold off on it, and (laughs) you'll be much better off than them in the long run. Yeah. Could you uh, pass me over my flip phone, please? (laughs) No, I actually have an iPhone. I mean, some I have a things, feeling most people listening to this are not going to go out and buy a $1,000 iPhone, but I could be wrong. That's going to be really interesting. <laughs> I mean, how big can they get, for one thing? Yeah. You know, here's my suitcase to carry my iPhone. <laughs> it's also just offensive, a $1,000 phone. Yeah. Well, it is. But um, write down your ideas. Keep a list. Keep a little tablet. All the things that you want to do, um, keep a list of ideas of things you can do to save money. We're going to do a, a, a more detailed show at some point again on how to cut your cable cost. Um, people spend hundreds of dollars a month. Um, we had a bill at one point that was 250 or 260 a month. We've cut it in half, uh, and there are lots of ways you can do that. So we spend money that we really don't need, and if you do that, you won't get ahead. Stop smoking, right? Don't drink as much. You have to have wine once in a while. Stop putting things on credit and credit cards. And, um, you know, if you do come into a little extra money, pay down the high interest stuff first. 
Well, I'll give you an example. I had people in my office uh, just a few days ago, and we were talking about what things to pay down to get ready for retirement. In fact, you were in that meeting with me, Pete. And they said, well, we have an equity loan on the house, and it has a small balance on it. It's coming up on its 10-year term. We're going to have to either refinance it totally into the mortgage or pay it off. And I said, well, you're thinking about retiring. So step one, while you're still working and you have higher credit worthiness, why don't you go out and refinance your home equity line with a different bank, pay off your existing equity line, and now you're going to have another 10-year term and continue to make payments. So what they've been doing is they've been taking and making extra payments. So let's say they had a $120 a month payment due on their home equity line. And uh, actually, it was like 150 And they were rounding it up to $200. So on the one hand, they're getting ahead of the game because they're paying a little bit of extra payments. And they're going to pay the loan off a little bit faster. That's good. So then I asked, what's the interest rate on the home equity line? And it was 4%. And I said, all right, so you've also got a credit card bill here with X thousands of dollars on it. What's the interest rate on your credit card? It's 18%. I said, so... Stop making the extra payment on your home equity line, that extra $50. Instead, when you pay your credit card bill with 18% interest, put the extra $50 on that loan because the interest rate's higher. And you're going to retire higher paying debt first. Very important. You agree? Absolutely. Okay. Um, We can help you. I I like to do lists. I like to keep written goals and encourage you to do those kinds of things yourself. But the most important thing, as we said right at the very beginning, is consistency. And speaking um, of lowering bills and lowering phone bills, I know you do insurance quotes, Pete, right? So maybe you can talk about lowering insurance bills for people. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And um, in most cases, we are able to save people money. I know that we were just able to save you money on your car insurance. Um, it was like $500 a year or something, Dad. On mine, yes. Um, and especially with a couple of homeowners uh, companies that we're working with. My own homeowner's insurance went from $1,450 a year to like seven eighty a year. Um, you were talking about saving money by not dining out and having, you know, drinks and, you know, quitting smoking, which is a good idea in any mm-hmm. event. Sure. Um, just a, a quick personal side story. I talked to somebody this past weekend um, and said, you know, maybe we should go out to dinner sometime. We've always talked about it and haven't done it. And I said, you know, my wife and I go out to dinner maybe six times a year and maybe two or three of those times are without kids. The other times are with kids. You make it an event. Yeah. And uh, they said, oh, we probably eat in about six times a year. And they said, it's usually just holidays. We eat out almost all the time, either takeout or eating out. And I just thought of what a huge amount of money that is. Um, but uh, this past Sunday, um, I was talked into going to see the Patriots game uh, at Rose Alley downtown. With And I went with uh, two of my kids because it was like a family-friendly event. And uh, usually I sit home and I just have one or two beers. That's my special treat of the week, to have one or two beers watching the Patriots game. I went and I had two beers and a small plate of chicken wings, and my kids each had a, a kid's meal and a, one kid's drink, $54 mm. instead of, you know, $4 at, at home. <laughs> no, it doesn't take long to add up. Well, we're not trying to discourage people from going out to eat because a lot of people enjoy doing that. And obviously, you know, we like to support restaurant businesses as well. But you need to think about things. And you need to, you need to think like a millionaire if you want to be a millionaire. Uh, do you remember where Warren Buffett had his start? 
Berkshire Hathaway, New Bedford. New Bedford. Yep. Warren Buffett began in New Bedford. And one of the things that he wrote once was, I didn't know exactly what I was going to do, but I always figured at some point I was going to be rich. And he's now the third wealthiest man in the world. So you have to think, you have to have that kind of a mindset that you want to make more money. And then you have to ask yourself, what specific things can you do? You have to think long term. You have to think of being willing to change something in your life, whether it's your diet, whether it's how much money you spend on clothes, whether it's your savings habits. Well, most um, self-made millionaires also have a mentor, uh, and Warren Buffett had a mentor, um, Benjamin Graham, the father of value investing. So find a mentor, somebody that you look up to, somebody who has done what you're looking to do, and uh, try to pick their brain or possibly even become friendly with them. Mm-hmm. Well, millionaires always ask themselves empowering questions. What else could I do to make more money? What else could I do to save more money? And they never stop learning. It's what we were talking about with education earlier. So speaking of learning, Michael, why don't you say a quick word about our Brunch and Learn program coming up on Saturday. Here's an opportunity to learn some things that will save your family money and protect your family. Yep, We have a Brunch and Learn on Saturday, October 13th. That's at 10 a.m. at our office uh, on Fonts Corner Road, 352 Fonts Corner Road. If you'd like to sign up for that, uh, call us at 508-998-8800. Or you can also register online at uh, usawealthgroup.com or lancelawinc.com. We'll be talking about how to protect assets from nursing homes. And then Ray and Pete will be talking about retirement uh, planning and retirement services. Good. Uh, Thank you for that, Michael. Here's another tip that I really like a lot that comes into my personal life. Focus on needs over wants. And so if you're out at the store and you see something that you really want uh, versus what you need, wait 24 hours and then go back and get it if it's something you just feel like you can't live without. But at home, all the time, my children, especially my youngest now, she's five, I need this toy, I need this thing, I need this coloring book, I need this. And I always say back every single time, I said, no, you don't need it, you want it. So you don't, you don't need it, you want it. And that's a big difference. That's a good remark. I was going to say something fresh, but I decided I'd better not say something fresh. <laughs> but what we do have is we've got something called 42 Things You Can Do Right Away to Spend Less Money. If you give a call to uh, Mike at 508-998-8800 or give a call to Pete at 508-998-8858, we'll send you a copy of this. Uh, we'll tell you how to find it or we'll just clip our card to it and mail you a copy. Very useful little guide. 42 things you can do right away to spend less money. Um, I mentioned this Tony Robbins book earlier. It's really terrific. Money, Master the Game by Tony Robbins. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, if you take the time to read through that book, um, invest the money, get it on Amazon or at a bookstore, um, you're going to learn a lot of things that would be useful. And the first step in making money is to learn about how to make money. Here's some synopsis from Tony Robbins, uh, five particular ways to get rich faster. And one, save more and invest the difference. This is what we talked about earlier. Do it regular, regular, regular. Uh, number two is earn more and invest the difference. So you got to keep reinvesting what you're earning. The third one is very important, reduce your fees and taxes. We see a lot of people who are maybe heavily into mutual funds and um, – They have no idea what they're really making. They have no idea what they're paying. I haven't seen one client yet in the office 
who has any idea at all what they're really paying for fees and costs in their mutual funds. It's not fully disclosed. You really have to dig to get the information. And they just don't they don't have any idea. Um, get better returns. If you've got money in a place like a, a, a bank account, for example, it's always good to have money in the bank, isn't it, Pete? Yeah, that's uh, the first thing as a financial advisor that we talk to clients about is establishing an emergency fund. So we tell people, but the returns in the banks right now are, are still really very low, aren't they? Yeah, they're, they're horrible. And so a lot of the things that you work on in the office uh, will significantly improve those returns. And we don't leave everything there, obviously. I mean, we don't put everything in something else. You've got to keep some liquidity. Um, Warren Buffett said, rule number one, never lose the money. Rule number two, never forget rule number one. We've used that a lot before. But learn from your failures. Um, Figure out what you need to do differently and start again. If you want to spend an hour with Pete or me or Mike and simply talk about what are some of the things that we could do to improve ourselves, we're happy to do that. And um, most importantly, if you have uh, uh, a wish to learn more at our Brunch and Learn, give us a call. Call uh, Michael at 508-998-8800. Speak to one of the assistants there, and they'll be happy to make a reservation. But if you come late without a reservation, uh, honestly, you may not get a seat because they've been very successful. Um, Any other quotes you want to give? All right, I'm going to give one more quote, and then we're going to wrap up. Um, Elon Musk. Have you heard of Elon Musk? Of course. Mm -hmm. I mean, the guy has incredible vision. He's got to learn not to shoot off his mouth sometimes. I was going to say that. He said, if you want to become a millionaire or dream big a billionaire, start thinking like one. So we hope you've learned something from today. Our goal is to help you. We're looking forward to meeting you in our office. And thank you for being on our show. Thank you, Peter. Thank you. Good day, everyone. Thank you, Attorney Michael Coleman. Thank you. And thank you, ladies and gentlemen.